0: Good. I'm going to invite you to be seated. As we get ready for our message tonight, I'm excited because a dear friend of mine, Pastor John Ware, who's the lead pastor of Lifehouse, is going to be sharing with us tonight. They're one of the partner churches here at 311 Selden Road. And uh, you can clap for that. Many of you know John and that ministry have friends in that church, and uh, instead of an intro, which I had, was going to do, John, I just, I, as I was just reading the Bible this morning, I felt like God just wanted me to share this with you. This is out of 1 Peter chapter 5, and I, I'm going to read it. I'm going to change some of the wording because I want it to be personal, but this is Peter writing, uh, and it says, advice for elders and for young men. I'm going to pick up in verse 2, and, uh, and I just feel like this is what Jesus is saying to you. Thank you for caring for the flock that I've entrusted to you. Thank you for watching over it willingly and not grudgingly. Not for what you get out of it, but because you are eager to serve me. Thank you for not lording over the people that I've assigned to your care, but for leading them by your own good example. And when I come, the great shepherd, when I appear, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. Father, we just lift up John to you tonight his family, this church, their team. We thank you that you called them and planted them here in the 757. We, we thank you for the testimony of your gospel that is moving through this region and throughout this world. And, and I pray, Father, that he would have such an incredible sense moving over these next several days. God, we know that ministry can be tiresome, that it can be wearisome, that our physical bodies sometimes feel like they can't quite keep up with our spirit. Father, I pray just for a renewal of strength in his physical body, but even more importantly, God, I pray that he would, his soul would have such a sense of the smile of your favor over his life. Come on, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Can you give Pastor John a warm City Life welcome as he
1: comes? Well, that, that was unexpected. Thank you so much, Pastor Fred. City Life Church, welcome. Uh, it's, it's a complete honor being here with you tonight. Um, I do want to say this, though, start, starting off. I really pray that you know how good you have it here at City Life. I mean, seriously. Like, I, I really hope you know how good you have it at at this church, Pastor Fred, Vanessa, Chris House, David Godwin, Juice, and I mean just and I mean y'all have a I mean you know I'm saying we're not supposed to call it a buffet, Dave, but I'm I'm calling I mean they are feeding you, loving you, and and serving you. And really honestly, if we didn't start Lifehouse, we would probably be here. Uh, you know, and I mean we're just really really grateful for you guys. You guys have really really helped helped Lifehouse start and begin. And um, so, you know, we love this church and we're just really, really grateful. Can, can you one more time just give it up for your leadership team here at City Life Church? So we, and by I say we, my family, and I, Chris, Kristen's right over, over there. Babe, do you want to wave? Uh, and our family, I think there, there will be a picture here we have three boys, Jackson Judah Dallas, we call them the where hurricane. they go and destroy things from space to space, but we started lifehouse church uh, September seventeenth two thousand and seventeen so we 're just over three years old. Um, God has been good and and f- faithful and uh, but man, it has felt like thirty. Uh, church planning is not for the for the faint of I have got so many gray hairs in my beard that I didn't have whenever I started. So Fred, we're starting to look more uh, alike, brother. Uh, but it's coming, man. Um, yeah. So, um, but I've been a full-time m- m- ministry now for about 13 years, and um, God has been good and faithful. Something else about me too that y'all probably see is I stutter. So I'm a stuttering pastor. You can laugh, okay? It's funny, right? What I say is, is this, right? Two things. One, this is gonna be the longest sermon you've ever heard in your, in your entire life. <laughs> so just get yourself comfortable, adjust the mask, whatever you gotta do. All right, this could be the longest sermon you have ever heard. But, but also too, what I say is this, right? I, I talk in 3G, you listen in 5G. So if I stutter, I'm buffering. Just give me a little bit of time. <laughs> And I will catch up to you, all right? And I throw that out there just to kind of, just I know, it's just like, man, is he like really, really nervous? Is he going to fall over dead in in the pulpit or something like that? No, I'm going to get it out at some point. I teach people patience. We have the most patient church in the 757 because they have to listen to me preach every Sunday. So, uh, yeah, bear bear with me there. I would uh, appreciate it, but... Before we get started tonight, I'm going to pray. Would you join in with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We know, God, that right now we are standing on holy ground. God, that we are here before you, not as consumers, critics. God, we are here with hands held open as as desperate people saying, God, we need a word from you. So Holy Spirit, we come before you right now and we say, be what each person needs tonight. Take what I say and translate it. Lord, take it and let it be what each heart, mind, and soul needs here tonight. We love you, we thank you, and God, finally, please give the Washington football team a good name. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. Amen. Our central text tonight is going to be Psalm 23, verse number one. And I'm going to ask that we do something different tonight, Start starting off online. You can do this as, as well. Would everybody stand? And we're just going to say together Psalm 23, 1 in five different translations. The reason being is because each translation i I believe brings a different punch to it. A different weight to it. The the honestly tonight I believe that one of you or some of you here will connect with one, two, three or possibly even five of these translations of Psalm 23:1 and so they're going to be on the so they're going to be on the screen behind me. I'll start off. If I stutter, you just keep on going. I'll catch up with you. But we're going to say these together just to prepare the soil of our hearts and prepare us for what he wants to speak today, all right? Ready? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd, I will not be in need. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I lack. You can be seated. You know, 2020 has been the year of pressure. Have you felt it? It's been a pressure cooker and if you have been a Pastor, it has been a pressure. Like, I hope you've been nice to your pastors. Because this has been the year of we can't please no one. And really, honestly, most of us are people pleasers. We want to, at the bottom of our core, make people happy. Why? Because we have been given by God the command to love and steward people well. And it breaks our hearts when they're not happy with us. So honestly, this year has been a year of pressure, individually, corporately, personally. And really, what happens whenever you have pressure, pressure brings up to the surface what isn't there to the visible eye. It, what is actually hidden comes to the surface, And I think that we could probably all say in some way, shape, or or form, financially, emotionally, maritally, relationally, psychologically, that that you have felt the pressure and the pressure has brought out of you what was there. What, What was there? The pressure is a revealer. And really... I'm saying that because 2020 has revealed a lot that was inside of myself, that I'm just like, how am I even a Christian? You ever been there? You're, you love Jesus, you're serving the Lord and pressure comes and it pushes out of you what has been rumbling underneath the surface, but possibly you've been too busy, too distracted, to actually deal deal with, but 2020 has taken all that away and has basically said, what are you going to do with what has been revealed to you? And and really tonight, Pastor Fred last week talked about the difference of being transparent and vulnerable and tonight I'm gonna strive to be vulnerable with with you. My name's John, welcome. This is my first time here. I'm gonna be vulnerable with you. Um, But honestly, personally, for so long, up to 2020, I had pushed, pushed past, repressed, deflected, and defended what I had been feeling for so long to simply function. And people that do full time ministry are the worst at this because we will push past whatever we're feeling, whatever we're sensing to function in. In, to function within the role that God has called us to. And what came to the surface when 2020 pressured, when we're dealing with masks or no masks, when, when we're dealing with this political culture, when we're dealing with the pandemic and the weight of that, what came to the surface personally? Was anger, was disappointment was pride, insecurity, shame. There was something in my soul that I'm just like, I have a great church that I would literally not want to pastor any other church on this planet. I have a beautiful wife, beautiful kids. I mean, I, I have all of my needs taken care of, but there is this dissatisfaction deep within my soul that I can't put my stinking finger on. And really, I, you know, it was, it was past the point of just saying, read your Bible more or pray more, right? Because that's what we typically say. And just, just, just pray more, brother get in the presence of God, read your Bible more. Just do these, these disciplines more. I was doing them and doing them. It felt like I was hitting a wall. So finally I said, I need help. So what did I do? I went on Google. Because <laughs> when you need help, you go on Google. No matter how deep the pain is, you go on Google. So honestly, I went on Google and I was trying to find a pastor retreat. Like, God, I need something to get away from my kids, get, a, get, a, get away from the pressure. And, and just like, I need something to get. Away. So I, t- I was typing in pastors retreats. I was typing in sitting with with a fire, barefoot, reading the Bible. Like I was just like, what do I got to do to get something to get away to relieve some of this pressure? Well, kind of through all of of that, I found something called Soul Shepherd, which is a ministry that was created in California by Bill and Christy Gaut- Gaut- Gautier, that was specifically created to care for pastors' souls. And they had something called Soul Shepherding Institute, which was a series of four one-week retreats in California where you basically went and for one week, you, you basically just worked on your soul, your emotional health, your psychological development, all of these things that honestly, m- m- many of us pastors push to the side to keep on going. And so I was like, I don't care. Like, I don't even care who these people are. I'm just gonna try try it out. Granted, though, they are doctors of psychology and they trained under Dallas Willard for 20, for 20 years. So I was like, okay, that's good stock. Dallas, Dallas Willard's the man. So they trained under Dallas for 20. They're doctors of psychology. Okay, how much does it cost? I'm going. Put it out, went there, and honestly, I was scared because I'm not a real e- M- emotional guy. I am in Enneagram 3, if, if there's any people out there that love that whole numbering type system thing. I'm a 3 Enneagram, which which, which means, honestly, we kind of suppress what, what we feel. And so I was scared going out there. Like, I literally thought, it's, it's going to be 10 pastors sitting in this campfire, bare feet, streaming, strumming an acoustic guitar, writing down our sins and throwing them in a fire, like youth camp, you know, like, That's what I was thinking that this was going to practically be. But I was like, you know what? I don't care. I'll sit around a campfire if I get by by myself for any amount of time. So we kind of like went there. You go there. you You see everybody. And this was back in July. And the first thing they do whenever you get there is they've got these cards that have pictures on them. And they've got scriptures on them. And the first thing they say is, hey, pick a card that shows how you feel right now. I'm like, oh, God. Jeez are you serious so you know you're kind of going through and it was based on psalm 23 so it basically i think there's like eight scriptures in psalm so there was eight different pictures that you know of you know in each picture corresponding to a scripture in psalm 23 and it kind of had them there and i was just like looking at these pictures like this is the hokiest thing i've ever done in my life spiritually Like, take a picture how does that make you feel Like, Lord Jesus. So anyway, I was going through it, and I saw something that kind of just like looked like this. And, you know, I was like, man, that's like your typical, like, Jesus shepherding. Like, you know, I was just like, well, I kind of feel lost right now. Let me take that one. So so I took that card, and I was sitting in this circle, and people were sharing what they're walking through, what they're going through. And Right as the turn that I had was coming up, do do you know how you have those Holy Spirit moments where they just like literally punch you in the face? And what I felt the Lord tell me was, John, you've loved me, but you haven't let me be your shepherd. And you wonder why deep down in your soul you have this satisfaction. Because the Lord is my shepherd, you shall not want. What is shepherding you, John? And what is shepherding you is feeding you and it's feeding you something that is not filling you. It's only leaving you wanting more. And I was a wreck the whole week. Because I was like the Holy Spirit put his finger on, on, on why I had this nagging sense of in my soul, how I could have everything that I could possibly want out here, but I was dying in here. It's because the Lord was not my shepherd. I loved him, I had a genuine heart and passion for him, but submitting to him and saying, Lord, shepherd me to a place of contentment and satisfaction in you, I was letting different things shepherd me that brought me to places of always wanting. And and really what I felt was this isn't just something for my heart, I believe this is something for the body of Christ. I believe we have so many people sitting right now in the pews, like this could be you right now. You are someone, you love Jesus, you've been serving in the church, you've been doing all of these things and you genuinely love him, but, but you feel like deep down in your soul, you're almost saying, why am I not satisfied? Why, why is there still this nagging sense of discontentment inside of my heart, inside of inside? when you can look and say, why am I feeling, could it possibly be that you love the Lord, but you haven't submitted to letting him be your shepherd?" And leading you to a place of total contentment in him. And that's what I, I want to talk to you about tonight. Is being fully satisfied by the good shepherd. You just stuffed yourself on Thanksgiving. You're fully satisfied in your stomach. And I pray tonight that you will be fully satisfied whenever you leave this place. In your heart, your mind, and your spirit. Let me ask you this tonight uh, as we start off. How would you fill that in? The Lord is my, what is he? Secondly, is my shepherd. Let me be candid. Let me tell you before July how I would have filled these in. The Lord is my good luck charm. Keep him close enough to ensure blessing. The Lord is is my genie. Say the right thing at the right time, and I get what I want. Church growth is my shepherd. Always led me to a place of more, need more. Approval is my shepherd. Always leaves me wanting more. Success is my shepherd. Praise is my shepherd. Comfort is my shepherd. Validation is is my shepherd. Shame is my shepherd. What would you put in there if you were to take an honest, deep-seated look at your soul and saying, who is your shepherd and who is actually leading you and feeding you? Because how you answer that will directly correlate with the second part is how content or satisfied do you feel? And this is the journey that I'm on, y'all, where I have realized that over the course of my life, I have been feeding myself junk food. And And I'm like, why is Jesus not enough? Why do I need the extras? Why do I need the additives? Why do I need Jesus plus? Why do I need Jesus and? Is Jesus not good enough? Even within the church, we've created false gospels where Jesus is, we we need Jesus and prosperity. We need Jesus and the house, Jesus and the bench. Jesus and the fill in the blank. It's a U.S. gospel. Jesus and poverty. It's like, you know what, you've got to be poor. Jesus and self-help. Like we have created, like because Jesus has not been enough for us, we've We try to throw in there something that feels good and seems good and is and is cultural instead of saying Jesus is alone is enough and he fully satisfies. And when you add anything else, Jesus plus anything ruins it. But y'all, that's not how it, that's not how I built my life. And and y'all, let's just be candid. That's not how our churches have been built, mine included. And that's why within this season, we're all like, well, but this worked. Anything you thought that worked to miraculously grow the church? Nope. And what I believe the Lord is doing is he's stripping away the additives. He's stripping away and saying, am I good enough? Am I good enough for you? You know, back in January, we had a... uh, A portion in our service, this was the second service, I think, in the last weekend, January. (laughs) Worship was 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 transitioning, and it was kind of a quiet moment. And randomly, somebody within our church started yelling out in tongues. Now, I will say this that had never happened in the life of Lifehouse. And we had never really even talked, I mean, we're a brand new church, really had never even talked about tongues or talked about that kind of thing. And but just it happened. And I'm sitting there like, huh. Well, John, you're the pastor. So you probably need to get up and speak about this. Because we have within our church, a lot of brand new people don't know anything about don't I mean they're probably thinking it's a devil. I mean they don't know what's going on. So I'm like, well, John, this is, this is why you paid the big, the big bucks. Get up there and talk to them about what just happened. So I kind of just like got up there, explained the moment. It, it was a God moment. People received, we gave a salvation call in that moment. Pe- people, people responded. It was, it was one of those moments that like, we didn't plan it. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, hey, John, can I have a few minutes of your service? Can I have a couple minutes? I know you got the program. I know you got, the, you know, your service order. Can I have a couple minutes? And I'm like, yeah, but can you please let me know next time? That, but honestly, it, 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 was, it, it was seriously, though, almost like the Lord was saying, John, can, can, I, can I work my way in? And I believe that there are so many lives out, uh, out there right now. And here's the thing, I'm driving the train of saying, I want to be fully satisfied in Jesus. And I know that's not popular. I know that that doesn't sell, that doesn't get people excited of saying, no, Jesus literally came to fulfill every need you have in your soul where you need it the most. But y'all, let's just be honest. There are two powerful, powerful, Forces within our culture that honestly keep us from being satisfied. I mean, just the culture itself, like you are always being reminded, bombarded daily, you aren't pretty enough, you aren't cute enough, you aren't sexy enough, you're, you know, you, and I mean, you, know, you don't have a big enough church, you don't have, and I mean, it, I mean, here's the thing, marketing is set up to make you feel like you don't have something, so you'll go and buy it, Literally. That's the whole purpose of it, is to make you feel like you have lack, to make you feel like, well, I'm fear of missing out. Fear and lack drive the market, and they're driving so many people's souls, leading them to a place, they love Jesus, but they're still in their soul, they're wanting. Who are they being shepherded by? Secondly, though, the power of sin, y'all, let's just be candid, sin is real. Sin is, sin is, sin is real, but I'm just glad that Jesus came and died for sin. Come on, some, someone. That it, that it says this, when we were far from him, he came and became sin for us. Even when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus came to deal with sin. But the thing is this, right? Jesus did not just come to be a substitute for sin. Jesus, Jesus came to be the satisfier of our souls. And here's the thing, within churches, we love to talk about Jesus being the substitute for sin and we believe that, we preach that, whereas you can't get to God, he got to you despite you, he came after you when you were running from him, he was running towards you, Jesus loves you, he died for you, but he just did not come to be a substitute, he came to be the satisfier of your soul. And here's the thing, we have kind of just like preached either or, when no, Jesus is both and. But Jesus' life is the example of what it looks like to be fully satisfied in his Father's love. He is the example. We can even see Jesus' life, man. You can can, uh, see when he was tempted. You can really tell who someone is by when they're tempted. You can tell what someone truly believes or what someone truly thinks by what they do when they're under pressure and stress and tempted. And we can see Luke 4. Let's read it together really, really quick. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing at all, or Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. Of time, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give anyone I please. I will give it to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, "Scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. A stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. What was Jesus's response and the, found, and the foundation of his response when he was tempted and pressured at the root, at rock bottom, was God's word. It was communion. It was basically saying, God, I want your word to be the satisfier of my soul. I think about in John chapter, in John chapter four, Jesus, he just got done speaking to the woman at the well he gets, he, gets, he gets done speaking to her. His disciples come to them, and, and they're like, Jesus, you look really, really, really hungry. Eat something. And Jesus responds back, my food, my nourishment is to do the will of him who sent me. He was saying, what is going to satisfy my soul isn't this physical food. It's going to be me practically doing the word of God of, of my father there was unity and synergy with his Father that brought satisfaction. Here's the thing, from Jesus' life we see, Jesus was shepherded by his Father to a place of total contentment and satisfaction in him. Jesus called himself the good shepherd, which then says Jesus then, then becomes the good shepherd for us where then we've got the opportunity to find fulfillment in him. In John chapter 10, 11 and 14, Jesus called himself the good shepherd. And and, and this was one of the seven I am statements that Jesus declared about himself in the book of John. And through these I am statements, what Jesus was essentially doing was saying, don't matter what you feel, where you are, I am what your soul has been looking for. He said, if you feel lost, I am the way. If your soul is thirsty and parched and dry, I am the living water. He said, if your soul is hungry, I am the bread of, of life. He said, if your soul needs care, I am the good shepherd. He said, if you need access to God, I am the door. He said, if your soul is full of darkness, I am the light of the world. He said, if your soul is full of death, I am the resurrection and the life, essentially what Jesus was saying, what your soul desires and needs can be fully satisfied in Jesus. And, and Jesus, in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through, through 29, and, and you know, throughout this invitation, he said, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your bank account. You will find rest for your soul. I love what John Bloom says. He says, the simplicity of Jesus' promise is both striking and refreshing. Jesus doesn't offer us a fourfold path to peace, giving enlightenment like Buddha did. He doesn't give us five pillars of peace through submission as Islam does, nor does he give us 10 ways to relieve your weariness, which we pragmatic, self-oriented 21st century uh, Americans are so drawn to, unique to anyone else in human history, Jesus simply offers himself as the universal solution to all that burdens us. And y'all, that is what I'm offering you tonight. Nothing, you know, this ain't Kool-Aid with, with extra sugar. This is straight Kool-Aid. I'm not putting substitutes in in the, in, in there. I believe that when Jesus said, I am what your soul needs, I believe that we haven't believed it. We've loved him, but we haven't believed it enough to submit and to let him shepherd us. Here, here's the thing, right? I have realized on this journey since, since July, a couple things. If, if you don't strive to be fully satisfied in Him, you'll make him a means to your end. If you aren't striving to be fully satisfied in him, you'll make him a means to your end. I can't believe how many times in my life I look back and say, I just used God as a side chick to get what I wanted. I used him as a means to my end of just like, hey God, I got this plan. Thanks for blessing it. Get in the passenger seat. Let's go. I wasn't trying to find satisfaction in him. I was trying to find satisfaction by him to what I deemed satisfaction to be. We've got this thing within us that if we aren't fully satisfied in him, we will take Jesus and make him be what we want him to be. This came full circle whenever my first job ministry-wise, was as a youth pastor in Horseheads, New York, which you've probably never, I don't know who would name their city Horseheads, but they named it that. And three years there, we came back home, could not find a job, and I'm crawling houses doing, doing you know, uh, structural work under homes, making $10 per hour and literally the whole time cursing God, be like, God, I gave you my life. I went to Bible college, and this is what you repay me with. Like God owed me something. And I was like trying to tell God, hey, God, you forgot to bless me. But here's the thing. Jesus is not the means to your end. He is the means, and he is the end. The greatest thing you get from serving God is God. <laughs> he is the means, and he is the the end and if you aren't striving to be fully satisfied in him you'll be tempted to take him and make him be what you want him to be so you can get whatever your desired outcome and end is secondly if you don't strive to be fully satisfied in him you'll take good things and make them god things why because our heart is a human idol factory john calvin said We have this tendency to take good things and make them God things. Take good things that God created for us to use and steward and be blessed by, but we take them, if we don't find satisfaction in God, we will take something else and deify it and take a good thing and make it a God thing. That is why you can't make your spouse the God of your life. Because if your spouse is, your spouse will fail you. And when your spouse fails you, you will damn them. And that is why when you find full satisfaction in him, your spouse is someone you, you don't use. Your spouse is someone then you can serve because you're being served by the king of kings and lord of lords. And two, here's the thing, right? If, if let, me just see, let me make sure I say this right. Being fully satisfied and rightly stewarding go hand in hand. Being fully satisfied. I don't think you can rightly steward anything without you first being fully satisfied in him because you'll take it and deify it. And honestly, I want to get to the point personally where I'm grateful for my, I'm grateful, but I don't need it. I know that sounds heavy, but God, I'm grateful that you would entrust me with a wife and and family, but God, my full satisfaction is in you. God, I'm grateful that you give me a paycheck that I can pay the bills and go on and go on one vacation a year with. God, I'm grateful, but I don't need it. I'm fully fine my satisfaction in you. God, I'm grateful. God that I've got success, but I don't need it. I'm grateful but I don't need it. You can see this Shift happening in Paul. In, in the letter he wrote to the church in Philippi, in chapter three, you can see this progression happening. It's cool in Paul's life. You can see the transformation in him as he wrote letters. And you can see the growth. And you can see here, Philippians chapter three. I'm closing, so I'm not sure if someone needs to come up. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm closing, so just throwing that out there. So I'm not sure how, how y'all close here. So, <laughs> welcome to City Life Church. We're, we're glad you're here. Um, so yeah, so closing means that the worship leader goes around, comes out this way, and starts to play softly, symbolizing, pastor, hurry up, because the service is winding down. But I'm saying that this is, this is what, Says, it's this is Paul. He says, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I, I have even e, even m- more. So Paul here is, is is like saying, y'all, yeah, I know y'all are awesome, but I'm awesomer. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. So, I mean, isn't that insane? He's saying I was perfect. He's saying, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them, that's a, that's a big word, Worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I wanna suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Do you see how he said, I had this, now, in comparison to what Jesus, what, how Jesus fully satisfied, I, it's, not even, it's not even a good trade. But then personally, I think Paul goes one step further in chapter four, whenever he says this, he says, not that I was ever in need for I have learned. That's such a key word. I have learned how to be content. I've, I've learned to be satisfied. With whatever I have, I know how to be a baller. Says I know how to live on almost nothing, or with everything. Basically, I've learned to be a baller and be on a budget. Said I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach, or or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. What is Paul? saying here. It's not what I have, it's who I have. He says, I know what it's like to have a lot, nothing. But let me tell you, I've learned, and I believe that is so key, because honestly, my journey, I am learning. And your journey is going to be different. But I want you tonight to take this step and start it. And, And say, is the Lord my shepherd? And honestly, you can honestly answer that if the Lord if you feel content in your soul but if you aren't content there then I would say you've got to examine who or what is shepherding you you've got to you've got to go on your journey and say how do you get to the point of being fully satisfied in the promise that Jesus gives saying I am the door I am the way I am the light I am the living water I am the light I mean what Jesus offer is can we stand up, church? We're gonna do something to close tonight. We are going to say one one more time, Psalm 23, 1 in all five tra- in all five trans little translations. And I pray they, it means something different to you like the Lord is my shepherd. Possibly tonight, you need to say it by faith because he's not. Maybe tonight you have seen, you have used the Lord for your own ends. Maybe tonight you have tried to take Jesus and or, or you have tried to take good things and you have created them as God things. And tonight God God is, is telling you to be fully satisfied in him so you can rightly steward all that God has in trusted to you. But the thing is, we're going to say this, all five Psalms together, and I pray it feels something different inside of you. Let's pray these together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd, I will not be in need. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Father, I pray tonight for each person in this this room here, every person watching online right now, God, that they, God, that you would just not be a love they have, but they would actually submit themselves to you to be shepherded to a place of total satisfaction in you in the deepest part of their soul. So they will rightly steward and rightly treat you and rightly honor you for who you are. Holy Spirit, do it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can you
0: say thank you to Pastor John? So good. So good. we were talking several days ago just about him coming and he just started to share with me what he was going to share I was like I, I, I need that I need that message in my life and so we're just thank you thank you can, can, can we just finish out the service just I, I want to give you a chance to respond to that because I, I know that that was such a, a moving sermon for me and I, I trust it is for you too and, and, and there's going to be a way for you to respond at home too if you're watching online and you're in the chat or maybe Facebook live and and uh, I just want, I want to start with your eyes being closed, because that will help you. But I don't do the shell game pastor thing, so I'm going to tell you where I'm going, right? Because we don't want to trick you here. Is Is—is that we're going to end up with our eyes open, fair enough? But but I feel like it helps us sometimes to start just to create a private moment between us and the Lord. And so I, I just want to, if, if you're here tonight, and you would say not not because everybody else in the room is going to do it but but because you know that you need to i want you to to ask yourself this question and then i'm going to ask you to raise your hand but raising your hand isn't just responding to the question it's also making a commitment you're going to step into change you understand the difference between those two it's not just acknowledging a need it's moving towards a solution so if you're here tonight and you would say the, the Lord has not been my shepherd in the way that I know that he's supposed to. And and I'm going to take the steps that I need to take to make those changes as the, as the Lord reveals them to me. If, if that's you, I want to I want you to raise your hand. Just keep it up. If you're at home and you're watching, you can either use a hand emoji in the chat. You can just type hand. If you're old like me and you don't use emojis, just type hand in the chat. If you're on Facebook Live, just type hand hand in the comment. This is just going to be your way of participating. It's your way of responding to what's going on today. So open up your eyes. Keep your hand up. Just keep your hand up. This is your way of saying, I'm not ashamed. You with me? I'm not ashamed. And I'm lifting my own hand tonight. Paul, we thank you that moment that you were inspired by the Holy Spirit when you said, "For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of Christ and the salvation. So we raise our hands tonight, Jesus, to you. As broken, as John said, with hearts that are human idol factories. We want you to be our shepherd. We wanna be fully satisfied in you. Everything else that we've been putting in those blanks that don't belong, we wanna live differently tomorrow. We wanna live differently tomorrow. We want you to be our everything not just the substitute for our sin, but the one who satisfies our soul. Holy Spirit, we look to you to be our strength in this moment of confession, in this moment of response, in this moment of commitment, more than just acknowledging our need, but saying we wanna move towards a solution. We wanna move towards change. As Victoria challenged us earlier, not even knowing what Pastor John was gonna talk about, about having one foot in different places. Jesus we want you to be our everything. As we leave here tonight, as we log out tonight, as, as we go back to the lives that are waiting for us, Holy Spirit help us to go back into those lives differently. We want to think differently, We wanna feel differently, we wanna react differently, we wanna talk differently. We wanna have impulses and desires that are different. Because Jesus, we want to look to you and you alone to satisfy the deep places of our soul. We we want the meat that you said we know not of. Fill up our plate and let us feast upon it all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, come on and everybody said, amen. We'll see you next week. Come on, you can clap. Pastor John, come on, such a good word tonight. Hey, don't forget, you you don't have to go home, but you can't hang out in here. We need to reset the space for Pastor Jeff and Catalyst Church for the morning, so feel free to work your way out into the foyer area and then out into the parking lot as well. Thank you.